And so we've been uh, uh, in a series, and it's called The Grudge, and we're talking about forgiveness. And the first week, we sort of defined forgiveness. Last week, we talked about how to uh, forgiveness. And this week, when we talk about the grudge, we're going to talk about what it looks like when we have uh, disappointment with God. Now, God doesn't need our forgiveness, just to be clear, because God doesn't sin. There is in no way a point where God sins or ever does anything wrong. But today, we're going to reflect on how to deal with disappointment with God. This is such, such an important topic, because if you follow Jesus, there's going to be a certain point where you're disappointed with how life goes. There's going to be a certain point where you're hurt about the circumstances in your life, where you're going to have wished that God had acted differently. There's this in, incredible, um, there's this incredible moment. So, John the Baptist. Have you ever heard of John the Baptist? For those of you who haven't, John the Baptist was like the forerunner of Jesus. He was the one who came before Jesus proclaiming that the Messiah is coming. John, in his uh, calling, cries out to everyone, repent. That means change your mind. Change your mind about sin and God and then start turning around and following God, the byproduct, the fruit of repentance, the fruit of a changed mind is our actions in line with what God wants for you. Well, John goes repent and he does everything that God wants him to do. He is a loyal, faithful servant. Then he has this like mega church, lots of people who are coming to hear him preach like even high officials. He then sees as these people, you know, like, you know, he's John the baptizer or John the Baptist. And then he sees people leaving his church to go to Jesus's church. And it's the, his friends around him start going, what, what, what's going on here? And, and as he starts saying, he's like, no, no, no. He has to, Jesus that is, he has to increase. I have to decrease. You see the faithfulness and the faith of John. Well, that continues and then John preaches the wrong sermon to the wrong set of ears. Wrong sermon in the world's eyes. Wrong set of ears in the world's ears. John preaches a sermon that lands him in jail. I almost want to say I can't wait till I preach that sermon, but with the way things are going in society, I probably won't have to very long. So John preaches this sermon and it is offensive to the, the authorities. He gets landed in jail. John is sitting and rotting in jail. And John has a moment. Now, remember, John was the one who leaped in his mother's womb when uh, Mary came close to him. Do you remember this? John was the one who said, there is the one, the lamb for whom 
all the sins of the world will be forgiven. This is the one whom we've been waiting for. He's been declaring this. But he's in jail. He's in jail for a while. And then he hears whispers. This ain't going to end in going home on probation. This is not going to end with John uh, doing a skid bid in Rikers for 90 days and then coming home. This ain't that. John's, gonna, John's head is going to be taken off of his shoulders. John goes then, sends his uh, disciples, and he says, go to Jesus, and here's the question I want you to ask. Are you the one who was to come, or should we look for another? It's in Luke chapter 7, verse 19. Are you the one to come, or should we look for another? Translation, this isn't how this is supposed to go. I hear of all the great things that you're doing. Surely, Jesus, you can get me out of this. John didn't know this, but if John could have the same scriptures that you and me have, John would be able to say, hey, in just a little while, Jesus, you're going to set Peter free from jail. And a little while after that, you're going to sell, you're going to free Paul and Silas. You're going to set them free from jail. In fact, you're in the breaking people out of jail business. And I would like to know if there's a deposit of that coming my way. So he sends them. Jesus sends them back. And he says, tell John that the lame walk and the blind see. Tell him that great miracles are happening. And then Jesus gives this last line and he says this. He says, and, um, and tell him also that it's good when those don't stumble on account of me. In other words, John, the lame, they walk. The blind, they see. And you're going to stay in prison. See, there are moments in our lives where Jesus does not behave the way we wish we would, way we wish he would. There are moments in our lives where we think about, why aren't you working on my behalf? Now, this message is for those of us who are doing, who are surrendered to Christ and seeking to honor him and everything. If you do, at any point in your life, there will be moments where you will be disappointed with what God decrees for your life. All of us have moments like this. If you're in Christ for any period of time, you know what I'm talking about. You're in Christ and they got the job and your unemployment is running out. But you go, God, I don't, I don't get it. I've been, I've been waiting for this for years and praying and fasting and seeking your face. They just came to faith. And then they, have you ever had that happen? Someone stands up and celebrates and goes, you know, I just came to after. I, I just, you know, after 
having been a witch doctor that broke into banks and smoked crack and heroin and stole cars and shot the president. I got out on a technicality and I got a job now that's making six figures. And all of that has happened in one week. And you're like, oh, but I've been, I've been praying and I'm still in the homeless shelter. Yeah. Or, or you're here and you're pursuing Jesus with all your heart and you're with your spouse and you're going, God, what we need is a baby. We'd love to have a baby in this home. And, and someone comes in and says, oh, it's been beautiful. I, I, you won't believe it. Um, we, we're pregnant. We, pray, we started to pray last week. And, you know, two weeks later, uh, we went to the doctor. Oh, my goodness, would you believe it? We're pregnant. Or you're single and you're going, Jesus, would you just please? Like you're going, Jesus, I think, you, I think your aim is off. I think you're trying to bless me, but it's going to the person sitting next to me on the right or the left. And it's like, I think you're, you're, you're misdoing this. And so you're single for way too long. And then someone comes to Christ and a month later, they're engaged and memorizing uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 so that they could recite it in their uh, wedding day. Or maybe, or maybe you've been begging Jesus for a long time to get your kids sober and, and their kids get sober and your kid is still on the street. Or maybe you're just walking around with great pain and then you find someone comes up and grateful for and sorry about. And they say, you know, I had cancer. It was all over my body. I came to Christ last month, went to the doctors, and he said, you didn't find a trace of the cancer. And you're like, what, what is this wheelchair all about? What is this illness all about? See, the fact is, is that many of us will go, if we walk with Christ, we will we'll hit upon disappointment with God. In fact, if I can get in your business, Many of us are coming around now after years, if not decades of running from Jesus, not because of anything other than God didn't do what you wanted him to do. And you were like, well, God, if you're going to treat me like this, I'm out. This is something that happens to all of us. And so if it's something that happens to all of us and it has the potential to shipwreck our faith, we want to know how to deal with disappointment with God. John dealt with it by going to Jesus. Now we're going to cast our eyes on one of the rawest prayers we've ever seen from a man who was faithful. His name, he's a prophet in the Old Testament. His name is Jeremiah. Now you need this message. Let me tell you why. Because you are going to be disappointed with God. And if you let Satan give you a Bible study, what you will do is you will run from the only one who could make sense of all the pain in your life. So stay close. Stay close. This is an important message. In Jeremiah, we have a man who God has called God said, I'm going to be with you. You're going to, we're going to stand against this corrupt culture together. We are going to, I'm going to do great things through you. And all Jeremiah saw was pain, misery, and woe 
as a direct result. That's why this American idea that if you come to Christ, everything will go well for you. I just go, man, find that in the scriptures. I just don't see it anywhere. I don't see it anywhere. Like everybody who I've ever seen follow Jesus in the scripture got it rough. See, here's the truth about pain. God does not promise that our lives will be pain free, but he does promise that we'll never be free of his presence in our pain. Do you see the difference? That he'll be with us, not that the pain won't be with us, but that he'll be with us in the pain. Jeremiah, he says, I want you to preach my word. I want you to do my will. Jeremiah says, yes. And then Jeremiah about had enough. You ever been with that moment with God where you just about had enough? And so Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 18. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Here is Jeremiah's, listen to me, extra, double, honest, raw prayer to God. No edits. You deceived me. That's Jeremiah opening his prayer to God. You deceived me. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have committed my cause. Look at me. If the prayer ended there, wouldn't that be all right? It's like hardships, and then God, we trust you. It doesn't end there, though. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. And then, cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news who made him very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning and battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb. With my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. 
Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? And that's where the prayer ends. We're talking about disappointment with God. Okay, let's learn about this because we've got a lot to learn in a very little time. Have a seat. Thus ends the reading of God's word. <laughs> Not really. I told them this story about Atlas and it got me to thinking that it's not just the story of Atlas, it's the story of me. That I had spent all of my life thinking that I can hold up the universe, that I can deal with all the circumstances of my life in relationships, at work, with my finances. As your Christian doesn't mean pain hurts any less. It's a silly thing to say things that don't hurt, don't hurt. Or moments that don't cause tears, don't cause tears. It's a foolish thing to do that. We gotta be honest. If with no one else, we gotta be honest with God. We have to be willing to be broken before the Lord and be honest with him. Here's the big idea that I want you to know today. And all of us are going to go through disappointment. All of us are going to go through heartache. There's a thing. It's becoming more popular. It's called deconstructing your faith. It's something that's really popular now. And rather, what a godly version of that would be, would be deconstructing some of the lies that you believed about Jesus, like everything is going to go well, and everything is going to have a happy ending. Like rather than deconstructing that and going, oh, no, 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 I follow Jesus for Jesus. I don't follow Jesus for what I want. Rather than deconstructing that, what deconstructing your faith is, is, is leaving the Lord altogether. And it's interesting because many who leave the Lord, I left what they believe about the Lord too. But I left it in Christ as opposed to running away from the only one who could make sense of all the pain in my life. So here's the first thing that I want you to see, because Jeremiah doesn't just feel this way. He does something with it. And this is our big idea for the day, because we are going to experience disappointment with God. So here's what we want. We need to take my disappointment with the Lord to the Lord. Take our disappointment with the Lord to the Lord. In other words, don't take it to our atheistic friends who are just going, oh yeah, of course. No, we take our disappointment with the Lord to the Lord. That we recognize that this is something that God is will. This is a part of our lives. What does it mean when God says, when, when the Bible says that God wants every part of our lives, if it's not our doubt and our discouragement and our disappointment? Of course God wants that too. He wants us to process that with him. And so Jeremiah, and in this situation, here's what happened. Jeremiah was called by God to preach this word. He goes out and he preaches this word. And then there's this priest, his name is Pasher. Pasher is so offended by Jeremiah's sermon that he has Jeremiah put in the stocks, thrown in filth, have, has him beaten. Could you imagine? 
Just telling somebody about Jesus and then the authorities beat you up, throw you in filth. I mean, like excrement. And then have you, and then after a while, Pasher has him released. And it's after that moment that Jeremiah goes, you're a liar. You, you deceived me and I feel deceived. You overtook me. You're like, you're like a man in the alley, in a dark alley, waiting for an innocent woman to come by and you took advantage of me. That's what he's saying to God. That's what he's saying to God. And so we, as followers of Christ, need to get used to this idea that we need to be at whatever level of immaturity or maturity that we are at. That we need to be okay with going, God, here's the truth about me. So we take our disappointments with the Lord to the Lord. And then we recognize that there are two options. That when we're disappointed with God, we can do one of two things. Do you see it in this text? He has this incredible, almost schizophrenic way of approaching God. Have you ever done this? I've done this. I've done this. I was like, God, what are you thinking? This is terrible. What are you? And then I'll just go, but, but you're great and you're wonderful and I worship and I want to trust you. But what on earth are you? You know, like, you know, it's just like this back and forth emotional thing. He does that and you can see it there. By the way, this is why I love the scriptures. If you're here and you think, oh yeah, the Bible is just put together by man. The Bible is just like a, a book put together by man meant to manipulate people. I tell you, I'd have kept this out. If I'm the man who's putting the Bible together, I'd have, I'd have edited this out. Would you not have edited this out? Stuff, moments like this make me believe that the Bible is really from God because there's no way. Anybody goes, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to gather a group of people to manipulate cultures and societies and people to be subservient. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a prayer where it's a deep level of rebellion and a deep level of doubt. You wouldn't put that in the Bible, not in the Bible that you would have wrote. Nobody would have. It's what makes me believe that the Bible is really, really true. And so... Jeremiah gives this extra strength, honest prayer. And so we have two options that we see in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 18. And the first one is to deconstruct my faith. That's the first option. You can deconstruct your faith. Now listen up. That's a real thing. You can go, oh, wait, God made me this way? Can we talk? God made me this way. I have this proclivity or this natural thing that I'm born with mentally, sexually, with my gender, whatever. God made me this way. And so the only way I can be my 100% authentic self is to run away from God. Deconstruct the faith that I just, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to run from God. You could do that. That's true. 
But there's another way. When disappointment with God comes, we can either deconstruct our faith or we can deconstruct our discouragement. Or we can deconstruct our discouragement. Now this is big. You see, the fact is, is that singles are going to experience loneliness. Married people too. We're going to, every one of us, I hope you know that if Jesus, if Jesus tarries, that means if Jesus doesn't come, by the end of your life, it'll end badly, right? Many of us won't remember our own names. If we're lucky, we'll live that long. Like this doesn't end well. This world is full of pain, suffering, and heartache. If we live long enough, we'll outlive every person we love. If we live long enough, we'll, it just, you get what I'm saying? And so we're, we're not called to deconstruct our faith, but rather with John, with Jeremiah, we can deconstruct our pain. We can go, oh wait, God is good. He is with us and he is for us because he loves us. And therefore, I can go to my suffering and my pain and disappointment and start seeing God as he actually is, not as I wish he would be. When we're disappointed with God, we can either deconstruct our faith or we can deconstruct our discouragement. Now, if we choose to deconstruct our discouragement then there's some things that we want to do. Now, I, I want to point this out in the text. Do you see it in the text? Jeremiah starts off, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. And he goes on and says that. And then he has this beautiful moment in um, verse uh, 11 through 13, where he goes, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. And then he tells everybody, Hey, sing a song with me about the goodness of God. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. And then he goes back and he says, Cursed be the day I was born. Do you see how he goes back and forth? Okay, listen to me. That's a little bit more honest than we want to be, isn't it true? Because the fact is, here's, when we go through pain, when we go through suffering, when we go through disappointment with God, it's messy. Is it not? And we don't know what God is doing. But we can trust that God is doing something powerful in our lives. And this is why it's so important that we gather together here and we keep coming back week after week. Why? Because God is not, we are not attending a service. God is constructing our souls. He's reminding us that there are times in the Christian walk where we confess our sins or we give thanks in our testimonies. There are times where we sing, if you said it, we believe it. And then there are times where we weep and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, there are moments in our lives where 
everything falls apart. The tears don't stop coming. The result is final and not in our favor. What we wanted to happen did not happen. What we prayed for did not come through. What we wished God would have done, he did not do. And it's then that we come to where Jeremiah is and just go, God, I got nothing else. Almost like what Peter goes, Jesus goes to Peter and he says, are you going to leave me too? Because uh, Peter was disappointed and everyone was, the, the, the disciples were disappointed with what was happening with Jesus. He goes, are you going to leave me too? And he goes, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. That's because we take our disappointment with the Lord to the Lord. Take my disappointment with the Lord to the Lord. And so we come and it's a very messy thing. And we ask God to help us in the midst of our suffering to be reminded of what he has done in and for our lives. And so here's how we get through it. Are you ready? Here's the two. Write this down. Write this down. If we choose to deconstruct our discouragement, then we must, number one, cultivate a patient faith together. You know what uh, Jeremiah 21 um, talks about? Jeremiah going on and doing the will of the Lord. There's a patient faith. This prayer really is true, and this prayer really is real. But the very next chapter, and we don't know how much time there was. Could have been weeks, could have been months, could have been years. We don't know. But we see that Jeremiah, in the very next chapter, is going to do God's will. So we cultivate a patient faith, but we do it together. Jeremiah didn't write this down because he was going to keep it to himself. In fact, the book of Jeremiah was going to be published and going to be read. We see that several times within the book where Jeremiah gives it to authorities to be read. We cultivate a patient faith together. You're not alone. We come together. We're reminded. We sit and we eat with one another. We confess and we testify with one another. We sit in silence and we shout hallelujahs. We are together in this. And this is why it's such a terrible thing for us to be alone in a congregation like this. We got, we're together on this. Secondly, we endure the perceived silence of God in community. I didn't know how to, I couldn't figure out how to say that. I couldn't figure out how to say that any simpler. So we cultivate a patient faith together and we endure the perceived silence of God in community. That means, and this is important, you don't keep this to yourself until you walk away. I can't tell you how many of us, how many of us have been asked, so how are you doing? And here's what I want you to do. Can we change something in our church culture? Don't ask anybody how you're doing unless you're, really, you're willing to take several minutes, if not hours, to receive the answer. Don't just ask how you're doing just to ask how you're doing. But No, 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 really. Come on. Sis. Bro, how are you doing? It's been a tough season, and I'm not sure how I'm going to get through. 
Tell me more. We do it together. We rest in the fact that we're not in this alone. The most discouraging thing uh, that I hear is when I hear about a pastor taking his own life. You've You've heard about these things where a pastor commits suicide. And I think, man, if that guy is living that isolated, how does the rest of the congregation feel? Like if there's nobody that he could tell his secrets to, what's hope, what hope is there for the rest of the people who are under his teaching? We gotta be a people who are broken before us. Don't you leave here going, I'm fine, things are great, while you're thinking about jumping off a bridge. It's madness. We've got to do this together in community. That's why. What Betsy talked about, the small group, that's why that's important. That's why next week when I st- I'm, teaching a, a, I'm teaching a class, it's called our New Life in Christ class. That's why you need to show up. If you haven't officially applied for membership, if you haven't officially been in the New Life in Christ class, you need to show up for that class. Take time. Do laundry on Saturday, not Sunday. Do uh, grocery shopping on Saturday, not Sunday. Like, take the time to sit in that room and let's learn about becoming a community together.